2: from the fountain of knowledge. There's lizard people everywhere. <laughs> That's some interdimensional idea. Wake up, Aaron.
1: This is only the beginning.
2: Dude, you just blew my mind. Are you ready to get your mind blown? Go! Morning, Swarm, and welcome to Tinfoil Hat. You know I am. You know I'm here to do. I'm here to rock. rock. That's right. We are rocking. It is the fifth anniversary show of Tinfall Hat, five years, December 13th, 2016. The first show ever with my brother from another mother, Mr. Eddie Bravo. And here we are five years later. I can't thank you guys enough. I know we had the big 500 coming up. And, uh, you know, it was a, you know, it was a huge success and you know, here we are yet yeah, celebrating another milestone, five years in the game, still in the top 75 on comedy, iTunes, on Apple podcast, uh, comedy, which is really hard to do. It's really hard to do to stay that long up there. And it's because of you guys. And, you know, I meet with you guys all the time, uh, when I'm on the road. And again, like I always say, I would love to, um, meet with all with you all and sit with you for an hour each and talk anything you want to talk about i just unfortunately that would take a couple of days based on what how many people come and see me and i'm so blessed you've changed my life you always say to me you've changed my life no you've changed my life you know you've changed my life i was just a dude wondering if i'd wait a waste of my life uh, doing drugs and uh, not ever really getting the shot that I thought my talent deserved, and you know, and and we started this little journey because uh, the podcast I did before, you know, ended abruptly, and I just wanted to do something I enjoyed talking about, and it was about conspiracies, and you all know why I picked Tim hats because it was such a demonized uh, phrase, so I said, you know, let's own it, and uh, here we are, five years later. And I want to thank Off The Grid Ryan, who's not here. I want to thank Xavier Guerrero for showing up when no one else would. I want to thank Johnny for being one of the best interns we've ever had. (laughs) Uh, Without you guys, none of this is possible. Without the Swarm, I would just be talking to myself. You have changed my life. You have allowed me to provide for my daughters, and I am eternally grateful for that. I will always work my ass off to put on the best shows possible. I know that sometimes I talk a little too much, but I get excited Uh, But I am trying my hardest uh, to be the best host I can and give you the most interesting show you can. There's a lot of conspiracy shows out there. And guess what? There's not enough. I'm always happy when I hear about a new conspiracy podcast coming out. I'd love to help everybody. And I know this show has influenced a lot of people to start their own podcast, which I love. So I'm so happy. The more, the merrier. They can't silence all of us. And even during all the shadow banning, you guys have followed me here, 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 to my website, The Rock fin. Wherever I go, you guys come, and that means a lot to me, and it's a symbiotic relationship. I I love you. You love me. You know, and, You know. we're basically Barney. That's who we are. <laughs>
1: that's and, what I uh, heard. <laughs>
2: <yeah>. <laughs> and that's how we're going to do it. So without you, uh, this, this wouldn't be possible. So here's to another 500 episodes here's to another five years together uh you know i just i I know there's a lot of conspiracy podcasts they're talking about we're all talking about the same thing so i just want to get as weird as possible you know and i want to do as different as possible
1: congrats dude thank you and thank you thanks for bringing me on of course thank you no
2: i love you guys a lot of people come a lot of people go you know you guys stayed and uh hopefully this will be the team to the Till we do our last show which until twenty
1: fifty eight w- <laughs> until twenty fifty
2: eight <laughs> that's a, a joke from the future. Um, but but uh, it is what it is, and I love you guys very much. The only thing I want to tell you guys: I got some exciting shows. That are coming out uh, on Wednesday. This Wednesday, I'm with Brian Callen in Ventura. Uh, I'm doing a uh, two the Dragons of Comedy show, and they supposedly might be a special guest on by. So go to my website for that. It's at the Six Club. Uh, check that out. Then I want to make sure you all know, January, it's the it's the Hammer of the Gods tour is starting, dropping the Hammer of the Gods tour and uh it is kicking off in San Luis Obispo. That is January 13th. I'll be there with my friend Zane Helberg. Then the following week, I am in Buffalo with Howie Dewey from Cash Daddy's. And then finally, the final week of the year, we are of the of january we're having our first ever uh Tim Hat comedy night of 2022 that's at Harvell's in Long Beach uh two shows for it says there's only 60 tickets. It's not. There's 160 tickets. They are moving quickly. Okay, and uh, it's it's at Harvel's. Just go to samtriple.com. Eddie Bravo, this guy right here. Johnny says he's come to Long Beach, and then we're, we're we have two shows. We have a comedy show, then we have Swarm Tank, and then the following night we are in Bakersfield. Okay, and we're running it back again at the Well. Very excited there with Daniel Betts. And uh, it's going to be a great weekend of uh, conspiracy and comedy. So I hope you can join us. All tickets at samtriplee.com. That's all I wanted to say on this very special episode. I love you all very much. Thank you for your support. And uh, enjoy. The show is with Marissa Bumgartner. Uh, Bumgartner. And uh, it's a wonderful conversation about the treatment of the indigenous and let me tell you something when you listen to what she's talking about tell me that's not the exact same thing was done to black america and guess what it's the exact same thing that's doing being done to white middle and lower class america as we speak so we are more alike than we are different and this has been this is an amazing show for an amazing uh 5 year anniversary show thank you guys so much enjoy the show we go deep, homeboy. <laughs> Open your Alright, so let's get into it. What a wonderful way to celebrate the five-year anniversary of the show is to get into something I'm very passionate about, and that is indigenous rights. I feel like we don't talk about that enough. And I hope indigenous is an okay term to use. I'm very I'm not very into I'm not into political correctness, but with this topic, I kind of just want to show a little love and respect. I think it's very important, and I don't think we do it enough. So I'm very excited. Uh, this young lady, her and her husband, came up to my hotel room. I know it sounds weird, but it was uh, <laughs> they had come to my show, and they, the line was out the door because, you know, I, I crush it. And uh, I was getting... <laughs> I was getting waffles, and they're like, hey, man, we saw you. I'm like, oh, cool. They're like, hey, we wanted to get a shirt, but the line was around the block. And uh, I said, come up to my room, and I'll give you some shirts. So they came up, and we just started talking, and we kind of got into their backstory and uh, our guest history. And uh, she has a great podcast she's going to tell us a little bit about, so I'm very excited to have her on. Please welcome Marissa Bumgartner. How are you?
0: What's up guys? I'm doing good. Good to see you. And yeah, it was awesome being at your show and then randomly getting to meet you that day. I was very particular about what hotel we were going to be staying at. I, it took me days to decide. So I was like, Hey, I chose the right one. You're welcome. Cause my <laughs> husband's obviously the big fan here, big, big tinfoil hat fan. So uh, it was wh- really awesome. Why that hotel? Was it the breakfast? <laughs> Well, I have to eat gluten-free, so the breakfast, it wasn't the breakfast for me. I couldn't even have any waffles, which is a big bummer, but I don't know. It just looked classy and nice, and I liked the pictures of the lobby that they had, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs)
2: That's why when you take a woman out, it's like the food is important, but it's also the, like, ambiance is like, that's why, like... Cheesecake Factory's killing it, right?
3: Mm. Whoever uh, books your hotels is usually cl- killing it. Yeah, yeah. that's Dana. She's, yeah.
2: she's good at that. Sometimes it's uh, the comedy clubs. But anyways, move right along. Uh, you guys came out to my room. Uh, was it all the magic you thought was gonna <laughs> going to be going to entertainers' hotel room? Or was it like, why is there a little dude with a camera crew hanging out in your hotel room? Because Johnny Bancourt was crashing with me. And it was just fun to hang out. And... Uh, you know, have a fun conversation with you guys. And it was very interesting. And I said, oh, I got to get around the podcast and talk about all this stuff. Hey, everybody, I want to tell you about our friends at Green Chef. Listen, I just had a physical, and guess what? I'm in top, tip-top shape, but I could lose a couple pounds. And that's going to start with me eating a more balanced diet, a more balanced meals and that's where green chef comes in okay green chef all right has a meal plan for every lifestyle doesn't matter what you're looking to eat green chef has it okay it's better than green chef experts curate every recipe with over 30 meal choices every week and the flexibility to switch plans you'll never have to sacrifice taste for nutrition all right you can enjoy restaurant quality dishes in the comfort of your own home. Enjoy new nutritious recipes each week that are perfect for you and the whole family. Guys, I love these meal plans. I love them, dude. They're lifesavers. And guess what? They help you eat better, okay? And they show you how to prepare the food. It's real easy and it's real fun. And guess what? I learned how to cook doing this, all right? I learned how to cook by using These meal preps that they put together, okay? It's real good. Green Chef is the first USDA-certified organic meal kit. So you can enjoy hand-picked organic veggies, premium proteins, without having to worry about where they came from, okay? So, Johnny, correct me if I'm wrong. They send you the ingredients. You cook it. You put it together. And, man, bang. You're 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 eating it's, great. Yeah. And you're portioned. They're
1: easy to follow recipes and they deliver them right to your door. Absolutely.
2: That's amazing. That's amazing, guys. I use it. I ordered it. It's coming in. I've used them before. It's really great. And I think it's important that you, you know, as much as you love consuming Tim Fall hat, you need to consume good stuff when you eat because that's how you're going to get to a higher vibration. Okay, so this is what you're going to do. You're going to go to greenchef.com slash tinfoil125. Use the code tinfoil125 to get $125 off, including free shipping. That's Go to g-r-e-e-n-c-h-e-f.com slash tinfoil125 and use the code tinfoil125, tinfoil125. To get one hundred and twenty-five dollars off, including free shipping, Green Chef—the number one meal kit for eating well. So you use you, you yourself ha- have a podcast, and what's the name of your podcast? And what do you talk about? Can you hear me?
0: Yep, you're okay, good. You were breaking up just a little bit, but I
2: think we're good now. So uh, tell us a little bit about the name of your podcast and your podcast.
0: Yeah, so uh, I currently host a podcast called Our Medicine Stories, and it's actually produced by a company called Indigenous Lotus, which is a, a wellness collective out of Minnesota, out of the Twin Cities in Minnesota. I work with a woman named Victoria Johnson, and uh, she's a busy mom like me, has all kinds of drive and basically hands, has her hands in every single pot like i do here in my community um when you're a woman that really cares about your people and you know what we provide them you just figure out how to hustle so uh, she advertised that she wanted to host for her podcast in the spring and i was like i think i could do that i could definitely do that Uh, i've been trying to start a podcast for years and it just never really stuck i never had the support that i needed just the structure wasn't in place and so uh yeah sent her my resume we ended up working it out and it's been a journey we're finally finally got some good structure going on we've had some pretty consistent uh, guests and podcasts and basically our intent is to be a space for indigenous people to share uh, their stories their ways of healing and just what's brought them to where they are right now uh, there's a huge movement in indian country for positivity uh, wellness and just uh, increasing access for wellness opportunities for indian people just because Uh, Our reservations are often secluded. And I know that on my reservation, basically what's outside of the Indian healthcare is pretty much all the wellness opportunities that you're going to get on the reservation. We don't have any like yoga studios or gyms and we have a community gym and whatnot, but that's typically used for children right now. And, um, yeah. So I partner with her. I have a, a movement called Native Women's Wellness Movement and we collaborate and I bring uh, opportunities for healing and wellness into my community. I teach breath work and meditation and have just done a lot of grassroots community centered um, wellness work, I guess. And that's kind of how it went. So the podcast is is turning out to be super dope just getting to interview a lot of different people that come from a lot of different walks of life it's also very unique because we're interviewing people from all over the country and you know your textbooks in the U.S. history kind of put Indian people all as the same in one and that's not true there's different tribes there's different creation stories there's so much that uh I guess singles out particular tribes. We're all very different and unique. And I like that our podcast is just finding those people that we don't typically hear from and, and also sharing those things um, in a modern way. We've always been people of oral history and teaching um, through um, teaching orally, I guess, and hands-on learning. And so getting to take part in that storytelling in a modern way is really powerful for me and the conversations that i have with people are so touching and i I interviewed an elder back in august and she's a seventh generation uh, ceremonial herbalist out of the blackfoot tribe and she's getting ready to pass down her name and her lineage uh to the next little girl in her family that will carry on those traditions that she's learned you know from her ancestors and so that conversation I walked away from, like feeling like she spoke to my bones, I was different after that. And so, you know, getting getting to share the raw, vulnerable conversations that I have with powerful people like her is really, really important for me, because if I can take away something from it, if I can take away healing from it, then I know that anybody else is going to. And, you know, again, just going back to making sure that we're providing access for opportunity and opportunities of healing for our people is, is really important.
2: Yeah, man. I feel it. I feel your energy, man. It's like really good. I feel it, man. It kind of touches me, man. And uh, I think it's very important because the more and more I study history, the more and more I realize how unique the indigenous tribes are and like how like they have kind of some of the most amazing stories that are very much about our hidden history and how powerful they are and how the, you know, it's like, it's just very interesting because like we, we have this modern group of people, like white people, right? And, like, they are just getting beaten down right now, right? They're just getting beaten that they're just the worst of worst. And you're, like, you meet these people, and they're just such lovely, lovely people, right? They're just hardworking people. And they're, you know, a lot of them are paying for the sins of thy father and thy f- people who aren't their fathers. And they're just paying for stuff they had nothing to do with. But then when you take a look back at, like, the treatment of the U.S. government— Uh, of the indigenous it is totally and utterly a war crime man it's like so awful and and it's just like i think it's very important and and obviously you're not doing this this is me talking about you know it's just like like man i mean the, the whole thing is the government is fucked up and how they treat people is wrong and it's not white people and it's not these people it's like government it's like my opinion on like israel and palestine it's like i love jews i love judaism the government of israel is committing war crimes against the palestinians man it's like this isn't about religion. This isn't about Judaism. And this isn't about Jews. This is about people that in these positions of power that have done unspeakable things to indigenous. I mean, it's just the way it is. And it's like, it's not poor white people that are doing this. They got manipulated as well. But I want to focus on, the, you know, I just felt that's very important to be said because it's like, you can also be like, hey, I didn't do anything, but recognize that in the past, Giant trauma was done to people. And the best way to deal with that is to hear what's being said. And and, and, because I've never sat down. With, with an indigenous person and had them say to me, you know, fuck white people, fuck them. I'm sure they're out there, but the ones I've met with have never been like, fuck them, they've been like, dude, this is what the US government did to us. And they that in my conversations with you and my conversations with other people, that is always what is said, the US government did this to us. And like, to me that goes, that's a recognition of like, there's, there's, there's levels to this shit. And not everybody's on that same level. So what I want to get to is like the hit your the history of of indigenous, like, and, and, and what is going on. You know, we talk a lot about like, I mean, like I struggle with addiction. I struggle with it, man. And like, the blessings are I, we're not supposed to talk about, but if everything goes, I mean, at the moment of of, of this, I have one year of sobriety. One year. One year. Couldn't get out of it, couldn't stop doing it, was doing coke, drinking, uh, speed, and I was powerless. And the blessings are that through a lot of hard work that uh, these things have changed. And, you know, if anybody's going through it, you can email me. I'll tell you what I did. That's all I could do. But, man, it seems to be gripping the uh, indigenous people pretty bad, huh?
0: Yeah, I first just want to applaud you on your sobriety. That's wonderful. And uh, I always appreciate anybody that's vulnerable enough to share that. I also have been uh, sober of alcohol for almost six months now. And I've gone through like several bouts of my life where abused alcohol, especially as like a teenager and a young person. And then I remember turning 21, having fun for a little bit. And then shortly after that, I was like, nope, I got to be done with this. And like it just isn't for me. And then I would just, I still wasn't really confident in that decision. And so I continued to, you know, partake in the sociality of it. And, uh, yeah, I have had a lot of close encounters with addiction, uh, in my immediate family. And, uh, I'm, I'm proud to say that I'm the daughter of uh, two recovering addicts and, I'm also a child who was in that situation um, that is extremely privileged. And I was always surrounded with people who loved me and took care of me. Um, And I think that, you know, addiction is always at the forefront of what I do. And when I was pregnant, I was like, I got to take a step back. I used to work in addiction um, and and prevention here on the reservation. I put on a lot of different drug and alcohol-free events in the community. It's really deep. It's really, really deep because when I first came home from college, I... I struggled because I also I studied human development and family science, which is actually a public health degree, but it's super psychology and sociology based. And so you're really looking at systems at a micro and macro level, what it what it looks like uh, for a human to develop across the lifespan, how how they're affected by their immediate family, the school and the community. And then, you know, your macro level government per se. And uh, when I came back home, I struggled because i could see all of the pain everywhere i had distanced myself enough from the reservation and enough from uh just seeing all of the pain we see a lot of sadness and pain in our communities and uh when you grow up around that it it's that enmeshment it just is normal it's normal for us to to be around those things and so when I came back and started working in alcohol and drug prevention, I was like, what am I going to do to teach these kids? Like these teenagers, like how do I have these kinds of conversations with them to talk to them about substances, to let them know, like, you're not like every other kid. If you have addiction in your blood, you can't just go to college and party with everybody else and think you're going to be okay because it's going to spiral into things. I've had several friends and just see kids continue to leave the reservation and not realize and understand what substances are can do to their lives and to themselves. And, um, yeah, for me, I really battled with, and I still battle with it. And it's part of why I chose to leave alcohol, um, out of my life at this time. And it's, the biggest thing is that my community didn't have alcohol at one point in time. We didn't have substances and we weren't unhealthy. We, we weren't toxic. We didn't have the, Interfamilial familial issues that we do now we don't we didn't have lateral violence we didn't have lateral oppression those things were brought on to us by the U.S. government and alcohol was introduced to our people by the U.S. government and um, when your body you know for umpteen years has not ever experienced that type of substance and then it's introduced to you at a really painful you know, time like our, our children were being taken away from us, our land was being stolen from us our food sources were being demolished and taken from us. we were no longer allowed to hunt and hunt and gather excuse me. and these new things were coming to us also like talk about like if you want to go deep into the addiction like let's even go into food sovereignty and uh, the government providing us with commodities like white flour. And cheese and these things that our people had not ever had we didn't use those things we always had relied on the uh the earth to provide for us and we traveled seasonally all throughout many different regions in the northwest to to gather those foods to sustain our bodies and to sustain our children and so when we were put on the reservations and all of these really horrible things were being taken from us and alcohol, that substance was introduced. This is how our people were numbing and taking care of themselves because they didn't know what else to do. They were lost. And, um, I, actually to bring up that elder again, that I talked about that I interviewed in August, I asked her about alcohol and I asked her what her, what her take was on that and and on substances in general. And she, she, had this really long way of saying you know I've never used any substances because of because of the thing the the role that she carries in her tribe and in her community and in her family as a ceremonial herbalist she's not allowed to use substances because it's seen that she could be very hurtful to somebody else if she were to go gather medicine while she was drunk or high or you know just not in a good mind space and she gathered that medicine and came and brought it to you it would do things to you that you you and I don't understand uh, on an energetic level. And what she said to me was that it, it's for me, it essentially was her talking about the chakra system. She said to me that you have this clear channel that goes from the top of your head down through your body. You have this light within you. And if you have this light in your body, why would you take vodka and pour it into that? Why would you take these things and pour it and, put it into your body that's been given to you that has that light within you that comes from source. And again, like I tell you that I left this conversation feeling so different. And at that point I had not been drinking for about a month. And uh, yeah, so I see, I see a lot of it right now. Honestly, I have a couple of really close relatives who are struggling with alcohol and um, unfortunately it's extremely socially acceptable. So we don't take it seriously. I feel like as a, you know, as a collective, as a society in general, away from just indigenous people, uh, I think that alcohol is so normal for people to just like, let's go out and have a drink to celebrate, to cry, to be happy, to be sad. It's, it's used to uh, attune our emotions and our nervous systems for a multitude of things. And so it's very interesting. Um, Yeah. And the addiction, I mean, it just, it just continues to bleed through our communities. And so You know, I just find that if I can be somebody, and I feel this way in in all areas, not just in the sobriety talk, if I can be somebody who who walks a different life for other people and other children to see, then that's great because we don't see a lot of things that go against the grain. And unfortunately, like I said, alcohol is so common and normalized that it's almost like this silent killer. Um, I have had many many relatives die from cirrhosis of the liver, especially that generation um, of veterans that fought in Vietnam in korea uh they came back and were had severe ptsd and that's how they coped and that's what and that's what they did and and unfortunately you know like the binge drinking even like being a functioning alcoholic that's very real and we see that um but for me, you know, I uh, I, just try, I just try to be that person that people can come to. I'm probably going to get off this call after we're done here today and hopefully go track down one of my cousins who's really struggling right now. See if I can help him get into treatment, get somewhere, get some kind of help and relief because he's at a point where he's like, I'm lost. And it's like, good. I'm glad that you're recognizing that. So what do we need to do next?
2: Hey guys, I want to tell you about our friends at Super Speciosa. That's right, Super Speciosa. They are the best, the the leaders in kratom. That's right. Just go to. Get superleaf.com, use the promo code SAM, and you will be set up, okay? Listen, everyone loves Kratom. It's good for you. The pharmaceutical companies have tried their hardest to convince you. It's bad for you. It's not right. Don't use it. It's an all-natural, super-duper leaf. Get it going. Kratom is an all-natural herb related to coffee bean that has that has been used in Thailand for centuries. That's a long time, man. Kratom helps energize your mind and relax your body, okay? It just helps you feel good, okay? Super Speciosa has only one ingredient, that's pure kratom leaf, okay? All right, guys, listen, Uh, the Super Speciosa Crate them Super Leaf, okay? It's good for you, all right? And if you don't like the way you feel, you can get your money back guaranteed, all right? That's it. So here's the offer, okay? For one month, for the month of December only, they're doing a Christmas special all month. Get 20% up on the top of the usual 20% with, with the SAM code, okay? Get 20% extra off, on top of the 20%, you're already by using the code SAM. That's Try, 40%. That's 40%. You... Try Kratom and get a massive 40% off your entire order. Go to GetSuperLeaf.com slash SAM and use the promo code SAM for 40% off your entire order for the month of December. Okay? One more time. Go to superleaf.com slash Sam and use a promo code Sam all right and, and for for 40% off your entire order for the month of December it's just that easy so go to getsuperleaf.com slash Sam use a promo code. Sam, substance abuse is the
3: same in uh in Mexico. Listen, man, it it hits it hits the Aztecs. Just indigenous people down there. It's the same. Just because you're like a Native American in Mexico, the indigenous people hit them differently as well. They're big drinkers, and it hits their liver different than like the light skinned did. Spaniard people that got mixed in there and they ended up getting some of those genes because it hits different. Like they go, they call it that Native American gene where you, well, that's at least what they call it here. Where they instantly you start drinking and oh, there's Native American. Yeah. It's coming out.
2: Yeah. So, so the biggest thing about that is that, you know, if you watch any like movie about the black community, they'll always talk about how there's a liquor store in every corner, right? There's a liquor store in every corner. There it is. Then we talk about this pandemic going on, right? What would they keep they closed down gyms, what they keep open? liquor stores.
3: Oh, don't forget weed shops.
2: And weed shops. And you know what? People can love weed. And I, listen, yeah. I, I'm for the legalization of all drugs. I don't think people should go to jail for doing drugs. I think that compounds the issue. You know, I can get sober, but I, I it's very hard for me not to be a felon anymore. So I'll put that
3: out there. I, I don't know any law, anything that was made illegal that people stopped doing. Well, do you know the logic on why they couldn't legalize alcohol? Why? Because you can't withdraw from it. You could die from withdrawal from it instantly. So their thing was to cope with it by giving it to them so they don't have to go out cold turkey and die. Because that's the problem with going off cold turkey with liquors. You could literally, your life can go in danger. And that was their logic on that.
2: Maybe, maybe. I think that could be also an excuse that they use forever why they wouldn't legalize marijuana. So, I mean, like, that's... That's my purpose, you know that's my my belief you know is that they they had to be like, well, we can't make l- l- alcohol illegal because you know people would if they withdraw they'll die i I don't know the government ever cared about people dying or not dying I mean that's my humble opinion, but the whole thing is we've talked about here on the show before that liquor alcohol drugs uh they call alcohol spirits there's a reason and it's like it it, it is meant to let some dark forces in. I mean, like, I see people all the time. They can't control. They're their lost. They're not their own person. We have friends in our own life that battle these to deal with addictions, um, to deal with trauma from the past. I, I mean, I make jokes about, but man, there's things that happened to me in the past that I just didn't want to deal with.
3: I mean, you and, worked at the Common Store. How many people drink there every day?
2: Every day. I mean, because it's like they're dealing with, and it's like, Nobody wants to take a look at what they're going through. So, you know, when you take a look at the indigenous, it's just like you have a wiring for one thing and that's not allowed to exist anymore. How do you deal with that? How do you deal with lack of hope? There's so many people. Like, I I used to have a joke about, like, if you drink in L.A., more than twice a week you're an alcoholic. If you drink only twice a week in upstate New York, you're probably in the third grade, right? I mean that's that's the <laughs> joke. It's just like people drink like there's no tomorrow in these small towns because it just helps them deal with time passing.
1: And sometimes like there that. is no tomorrow, you know? What I mean it's just there's right? nothing to look forward to.
2: There's nothing to look forward to, but like she was talking about her 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 relative. It's like, "Hey man, It's like the only shot you got is like to get out of your own way. Sometimes I always say it's like, it's so much, it's so easy to walk to your dreams when you stop shooting yourself in the foot. And that's what alcohol does. You just keep shooting yourself in the foot, drug abuse. You keep, and it feels great, man. I was telling the other day, you know, like speed is like getting hit by lightning, man. But guess what, dude, you just destroy your life. It's meant to destroy your life. It's met. It's like, you know what speed is? It's like, It's like a different version of the metaverse because you're in this heightened sense of aware thing and everything is so insanely. And it's like real life can't compete
3: with that. Like the first hit of speed, I just feel like it's like limitless. I've never done speed, but I feel like limitless. Like you guys talk about being alert. And then if you keep taking it, if you keep taking it, it's just like that drug. You You get addicted and you just can't can't do it every day.
2: Real life is just not important anymore. And you deal with it so much. And like, you just see it like the introduction of drugs and alcohol to the the indigenous tribes was done purposely to kneecap them and it's like how many times we hear this story like how many times we hear it i don't care if it's it's indigenous i don't care if it's the black community i don't care if it's poor white people with oxycontin and all that i mean like it we this is the tool of the elites And that's just what they do, man. And just people can't get out of their own way. They don't realize that they're playing the game. They're playing into these people's hands by doing this. They're enriching their captors. It's like this giant level of basically Stockholm syndrome in some weird kind of way, right? So, I mean, like, and then we can get into, like, like, you know, so much of our history, and this is another thing I want to get into about the indigenous, so much of our history has been rewritten, and it's a common theme on this show. No matter what we're talking about, that seems to be the common theme of the rewrite of history and not allowing the young to know where they came from. And, I, I, you know, now that I have daughters who are almost two years old, I think, like, what am I going to pass on to these kids? Like, i got to pass something on. i got to give them a running start. i got to give them a running start. No matter why I'm between me and the mother, and I'm so blessed she gave me children, and I'm always gonna be there for her, and hopefully at some point she'll realize I'm a good guy, right? <laughs> and you know, and I'll earn that, I'll earn that, and it will all work out. But we're gonna pass. What are we gonna pass on to these kids, man? And that was robbed from the indigenous people. It was robbed from the black people. I, I just wish they would listen, they would hear me out. Just hear me out. Just let me tell you how special you are. It ain't. You're mistaking your culture. You're mistaking your heritage for your culture, and your culture is not your heritage. And you're mistaking it because it, you're 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 practicing the wrong shit. But when we take a look at the indigenous man, it was purposely done, man. This is done on purpose. So you don't know how special you are, which is throwing you into these schools. Right. I mean, where do you want to go on that?
0: Yeah, I think I'd first like to just acknowledge uh, my teachers, my parents, my elders, uh, all of the wonderful people that I have grown up around who've passed on so much history um, to me and just family wisdom, family support. I, um, you know we can go dark and talk about all of the horrible things, but at the same time, like I come from the most beautiful culture. And I also, you know, you bring up a really good point that most people, most people in the Americas don't know where they're, where they come from, like where truly like their lineage originates from. And I'm, I've been blessed enough to know, uh, not only know my culture, but I live in the homelands and territories of where my people have always lived. Uh, our treaty has, is said to be one of the strongest treaties, the Treaty of 1855. Our ancestors uh, held out really, really long. They were um, very intentional and wanted to make sure that, you know, last seven generations. I'm sure if you've if you've heard other Indian people talk, you'll hear them say about like thinking, thinking seven generations ahead, thinking seven generations in front of me, making sure that I'm making an impact. Uh, In that sense, everything that we do, thinking about the future generations to come after us when I'm no longer here. Uh, People have always talked to us about how the land is not ours. We are a part of the land, and we're not going to be here all the time. And at some point, we will return to the land. And our funeral ceremonies, uh, honestly, are one of the places where I learn the most. Uh, My family participates. Not participates. We are a big family who supports people during times of death and during times of loss, whether that be cooking, whether that be helping clean their house. There's a lot of things that go into the death of an Indian person and uh, what that looks like afterwards for the people who are left behind in that mourning process and so I always like to just acknowledge that that again I'm a very privileged person I know exactly where I come from the people that I come from and uh, I have a very strong family I have a very strong lineage and they made sure that I knew exactly who I am and uh, the other unique thing about me is that I'm also half white my mom is my mom is indigenous and my dad's white so my parents separated when I was little and uh, I think I think I'm actually, well, I think I'm the second like biracial child in, in my family that's white. Um, and I, that could be not quite accurate, but regardless to say, when I was growing up, we would have these different things come up like funerals and we, our funerals last for two to three days at times. And so there's just different processes and protocols that take place at different, part, at different parts of our life. And so as a young child, I oftentimes was explaining to my white family what was going to be happening or what i was doing what i was wearing i i did a lot of that cultural interpretation and nowadays you hear a lot of people talk about um translation exhaustion of you know yeah i'm an indigenous person but why do i always have to explain to you my point of view shouldn't you just be able to figure it out on your own because it is exhausting we do have to do a lot of education because we already know that the you know, our mainstream education system does not provide accurate information on indigenous peoples. So, you know, I just grew up doing that. And I've done a lot of cultural brokerism when it comes to uh, government to government transactions uh, and conversations. So, you know, again, just coming from that point of privilege and acknowledging my teachers is, is really important for me because I have been very, very blessed to learn from them. Uh, and I make sure that, you know, I work with kids. So uh, everything that I do, uh, making sure that I'm sharing a little bit of what I know with them, whether that just be saying, which means good morning to them as soon as they get there. So they can just hear what that sounds like. They can hit, have that vibration of those words hit their bodies. And I also work with kids that are on the spectrum. So who knows how they're actually interpreting what I'm saying. Their brains are so different than mine. Uh, just teaching little things like the colors and the numbers and and provide, you know, having pictures of little Indian kids, up in our classroom that are digging roots or that are fishing and, you know, building that strong sense of cultural identity is really important for us now more than ever, because at this point, if we don't continue to uh, teach what we, what we have, even though we've already lost a lot, um, we, we have to continue to pass that on. Uh, The sad part is, you know, the sad part is that the government was extremely intentional in in their attempts to remove us and to eliminate Indigenous people, and and unfortunately, through things like the relocation era um, and that act, you know, at that time when that act was put into place, a lot of uh, trust and funding was stopped for reservations. There was termination that started taking place for a lot of different um, federally recognized tribes. So, Oregon—that's where I'm from. I'm from Northeast Oregon, Umatilla Indian Reservation. Uh, we're, we have nine federally recognized tribes in in Oregon. Uh, that doesn't mean that there aren't other tribes or bands that aren't recognized. However, they do not they're not recognized by the federal government, so they pro- they don't have reservations. They don't have um, like we have Indian health care. Our reservation actually broke off from Indian health care oh, I want to say in the 90s, but that could be inaccurate. Uh, but recently, you know, our tribe has been able to take a lot of steps towards self-sustainability and self-sufficiency, which is really exciting for for us. Um, we provide, you know, state-of-the-art care for, for our people. Right now, we're working in education you know we're expanding our early childhood programs we're doing a lot of work the partnership that i work on i'm technically an employee of the state but i i work on the reservation i work directly with our education program to provide children who have special needs that care so their families are working directly with native people instead of having to work with the state because that trauma when you go back to like talking about the boarding schools that trauma that our people face when it comes to working with white people and and like you were saying earlier you know like most most of the time people aren't like fuck you i hate white people but Epigenetically and in our DNA, there is still a lot of that trauma that takes place. Where when it comes to interacting with the system, our people oftentimes struggle because they don't feel understood. And um, I grew, I grow, I grew up, and I live in a town that's extremely political when it comes to white people and Native American people. Our reservation is only about seven miles from um, the city of Pendleton, and uh, there's a lot of history here when it comes to like the Pendleton Roundup, the Pendleton Woolen Mills uh and so again like just like my people are always hearing about how they have intergenerational trauma and how they have these patterns and these toxic traits within their dna and within their systems but we don't always point that out to the white community and um you know how how that affects miss sally who's working in the dhs office with a native family who's trying to apply for assistance because they need help that could be a really interesting conversation right so I think that it kind of just comes down to our present day and being able to acknowledge where we're at. Um, Our tribe is, is doing phenomenal. We have a lot of really great things happening. So it's like as much as this, as much as, as much of what the U S government has done and continues to do uh, we're still here. We're still resilient. We're technically a sovereign nation. We are our own people. We have our own governing body here and uh, we're making a lot of really great strides. So You know it's it's different for every tribe though it's not what the the things that we're facing here could be very different than what tribes down in new mexico are facing right there's a big difference and because all of these different tribes that are federally recognized they all have their own structures of government so what our government system looks like is very different than what the warm springs tribe down in central oregon's government system looks like so it's a really unique thing because we have the ability and the flexibility to really create systems that support our people and that are not modeled off the patriarchy and off of Western systems, um, like healthcare. Like, we have the potential at some point to have a lot of different integrative healthcare um, available, like acupuncture and chiropractic. And, like, what does that holistic uh, care really look like for our people? And um, yeah, but at the same time, we still operate in a very western world and that assimilation definitely has taken place you know we don't have a lot of uh language speakers anymore we don't have a lot of our old elders alive anymore who are fluent speakers who only speak indian you know those things are really rare to come by and that part can be really sad
2: yeah i mean well i'm listening to you. i'm uh, i'm really touched man by a lot of stuff you're saying and I understand the white people thing, and maybe I was naive in saying that. I just, you know, for me, it's just like, you, not that you're doing this. I'm just saying in general, there's so much like butting of heads all the time, and I, you know, just especially when you're like just in your own relationships with people, it's so much easier to go, okay, I, I let me hear your side, and find your your faults and stuff. And sometimes you may not have faults in it, but. Like the reaching out of like you know you just get more flies with what what's the saying you get more flies with sugar than uh, than vinegar or whatever the saying more is more flies with honey I yeah think. more honey than uh, than vinegar that you know I it's just the it's so dark right it's so dark and uh, when you look at the the past and it's so hard to comprehend that people would allow this to happen to people and then we, again we have. It happening in modern days, right? In Palestine and stuff like that. And the media, which will cry about everything, is silent on that. And you're like, how's that happening? What's happening now in Australia? We're watching in real time this, like, fascism. And, like, everyone's, like, not saying anything. So, like, my whole thing is, like, how do we reach out to each other and help each other understand the trauma of the past without making people who didn't do it, you know, have to pay for a price of something that they... You know, that they just didn't cause. You know, I don't know what the answer is to that's that. That's how I they
3: feel so I lived in the I live in Nai and uh, over there by uh, Lake Elsinore and there's the Pachanga. The Pachanga tribe there. Yeah. They got a casino. Yeah. Some people hate them just because some people get the money. Some people you can walk around and well, they're that's part of a the big tribe. Problem. And they feel like what do they do that I didn't do? Right. In Temanglin, you see the white people and Pachanga's huge, dude. They got the casino, they run right. everything and right. they got their own tribe. Right. But you, you can hear some people upset at it like what what do they do?"
1: and where I'm from, the cherokee they there's i mean it's among the the people I have some friends who are cherokee, and they there's this uh, what would you say i mean it's a it's a social inevitability that kids are kind of laying out of school and just waiting because they know when I think when they turn seventeen or eighteen they start getting this payment. Yeah. This Pechanga game from Pe- the government, or from the the tribe. This Pechanga tribe gets three hundred thousand. Oh. Yeah, and they've just been on the. So I mean, they've been on that. They've they you know, it's it's like a welfare program that's made them feel like they don't really have to. You know, to strike out on their own. And, and it's been used as, I think, a way to keep them down, keep yeah, them repressed. Yeah, like you
2: know? uh, universal basic income, right? At some yeah, point. Because, like, I mean, that's, that's, you know, they say that's the that's big problem with socialism. Once you, once you start, everybody's just getting checks and it doesn't matter what you're doing. You're getting paid to say, some people just don't want to work. And guess what? We're seeing it now in real time where, like, people are getting all this government money. And they're like, why do I want to get a job?
3: And that goes back to addiction. If you get money and you have nothing to do.
2: You get money every day and all you gotta do is go to the
3: casino, gamble, money's guaranteed in your pocket, direct deposit, why would you not drink?
2: I totally agree. I wanna get into something that I, because I I, I just find the more and more I do the show, the more and more I learned about the indigenous and like, you know, the stories of, of the past and how they're like, there's so much stuff of like, like, ancient history and maybe i don't know if this is your expertise or not and maybe i'm wrong but you know like the talk of them uh you know that the hopi met with the uh you know the ant people and 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 just like the you know the nephilim and there's a story that the indigenous knew the nephilim and stuff like that is there is there any any part of your history that there is talk of that stuff that maybe like because you know what we know about natives, and you brought this up in school, right? What well, we're taught in school, and more and more we're learning that, like, schools to teach us to be good, obedient people more than to educate us and enlighten us. Is there stuff that we don't know about that would be very interesting to That just, it's, it's like so, that's just really amazing. That kind of has been wiped away and hidden from us.
0: Yeah. That's a, uh, I did want to touch, you guys were brought up the casinos and that's like a, such a myth buster point that I wanted to talk about just really quickly was that. That um, was Xavier.
2: That was Xavier. <laughs> hey,
0: no, no. So I wanted to just say that, so this would come up for me, like when I was going to school, right? Like, you know, you have weird stereotypes, like Indians are all alcoholics or they're all they do is live off government aid the government that's just gives them money Xavier. and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So <laughs> the funny part is is that like so we have a casino here on our reservation um at one point it was like just a single wide trailer right when we first started up our casino which was in 1995 um it was a very small outfit of of slot machines and it's since expanded we have a fairly large casino at this point in time it has a family funplex as a bowling center an arcade uh, movie theater, you know, and they continue to want to build onto that. We also have a hotel there. There's a lot of different things uh, that take place there now. They hold a lot of different big events. They have concerts. We have powwows. There's lots of stuff that goes on. But uh, so it's different for every tribe on how much revenue they're they're getting from their different economic um, structures, right? And the casino is one way that our tribe has utilized. Um, the, the our tribe has utilized the casino to in increase our income and be able to provide more for our tribe so that's part of the reason like how we were be able able to build a new healthcare center that's how we build our new education center that's how we built our high school right there's all these different things where that funding from the casino from all the people that go there and put their dollars into the slot machines are on the table that's where you know that's how we sustain ourselves at this point it feels really dark and yucky to me because when I go into casino, I just feel like everybody's zombies. And I'm like, that feels like dark money, but I guess it's money. So I don't really know. What? But, um, what? what the way our tribe is structured is that they have a, uh, quarterly, uh, dividend is what they call it. And it just basically is based off of how much revenue we have made, uh, at the casino for that quarter. And it's then dispersed amongst tribal members. We have something called 18 money. So, that's what you were saying like um there's money that's put into tribal members accounts until they turn 18 and then when they turn 18 they can either get that out as a lump sum and then you're taxed a lot of money obviously or you can get it out in like smaller bursts i think but you know like financial independence and money management is a huge thing. And when you ha- come from low SES or you have been in poverty, like things hoarding things can feel really good at, because of that scarcity mindset that our people have been in. So we have a lot of elders who are like major hoarders. I just had an aunt pass away uh a couple of months ago, and we were going through her things cleaning up, and there was like so much shampoo. And I'm like, What did you was there like a deal on shampoo every time you went to the store and you bought shampoo? Come on, girl. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's always a really interesting thing, but I always just like to throw that back in people's face when they want to talk shit about Indians. Cause I'm like, well, don't go to the casino then and don't buy our drinks and don't gamble. Not my problem. You know,
1: <laughs> that's so interesting. They're uh, like, I know the Eastern band, of the Cherokee. I mean, when they turn 18, they're getting like a hundred grand, dude, Yeah, just cash, straight cash, homie. And I like, there's a story out there. Uh, hold on. I just found it. It's topic.com and they just go through and talk to each 18-year-old about what they spent their money on. And, it, I mean, it's really... You can tell that the education that you're talking about hasn't reached a lot of them because they're just buying cars yeah. and concert tickets, you know, and, like, lifetime subscriptions to, you know, Fruit of the Month or whatever. I mean, just insane shit, but, not investing it, you know. And it's it's kind of... And I think... From what I understand, is that there's this cottage industry that kind of preys on these kids that are getting these checks at 18, you know, and they just kind of descend on them, uh, and, and try to, you know, take as much of that cash. Any
2: time that you know, uh, I, I, it's a weird thing. I, I don't like the word lower class. I hate that phrase, but you know, a, a certain economic level, when there's a system in place where they can get a lot of money, there are predators. I mean, you see it in like professional sports. I mean, how many times do these guys just get bombarded with money and then it's gone because they had all these people just getting into their pockets and stuff. And it goes back to the education of like, we do not teach children how to manage money. We they, need
3: to do they don't that. want you to. Because if they did, you'd be like, why am I getting a school loan?
2: Yeah. Yeah. What's the interest on
3: that? Oh, wait up. They told me not to. They told me not to. Why would I do it? Oh, what's...
2: Is there any kind of uh, initiative to create an education program to talk to kids like about, about like, hey, man, you're about to get this huge amount of money. You could do this, which are what dumb people do. Okay. Or you could do this, which is what people who know how to manage money do, which is invested in this, 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 whatever that investment might be, uh, how to, how to manage your money. Is there any programs like that?
0: Yeah, there's tons of programs. Uh, we, we, yeah, there's an abundance of different curriculums and whatnot that are tribally adapted. So like, you know, you have all of your evidence-based programs that are used in like addiction and stuff like that. A lot of times there will be tribally adapted, um, programs that are specifically for our communities and so i've taken one that had to do with uh purchasing a home and so i went through this like four-week course and there was all these things and like little activities about how to track your spending and your money and you know talking about credit talking about loans talking about those kinds of things and now i believe that um, our tribe actually does provide that education to 18 year olds uh, or for children who are about to turn 18 to have some kind of financial um, independence. We also have a really cool um, program here. So our governing body is called the Board of Trustees. And um, we have like a chair, a vice chair, like there's a whole thing essentially that governs our tribe that oversees policy. and. Whatnot, and we also have a youth council that has just uh, really started to to develop and catch momentum over the last few years. And so right now we have a ton of really inspired young people who are doing really big work. They're going to these really big uh, like climate conferences in the northwest and you know, just getting to use their voice and advocate uh, in a way that feels really large. It's also very impactful because they're doing those things of talking about like thinking about seven generations ahead as a 17 year old. And it's like so we're, we're seeing a lot of positivity where we have a lot of momentum and a lot of really great things happening. And so it kind of just depends on what the availability and what the access to resources looks like for each tribe. And and the other thing is, is that if you don't grow up on a reservation, which there are a lot of indigenous people who, don't grow up on the reservation because of that relocation era where we were you know sending we you know the whole point of assimilation and whatnot was to completely erase indian culture it was like there was deemed a term kill the indian save the man so boarding schools uh teaching like they wanted you to think about like monogamy uh material wealth um like th- that individualism, right. Of just like what it means to be an American society today. Like we really search, like search for that nuclear family. And that's just not how our people operated. We were very collectivistic cultures. You depended on each other for survival. So if all the children were together and you had like the oldest was a 10 year old and the youngest was a three-year-old and the three-year-old went and got in the river. Well, guess what? you're all going to get in trouble because y'all could have just died. So, every person no matter what age always had that role and when you have a role within your community, you have immediately a sense of belonging. So, right now with the way that our communities are structured in that individualism, we don't have those same um you know, roles of operation I guess within our families and within our communities. That's why that's where I start seeing you know, like addiction and depression and poverty and like those things starting to pop up because it's like, what is that sense of identity and more? What does that look like? And, you know, a lot of the things that uh, a lot of the initiatives that I worked on when I worked for the local health center here was uh, men's health, actually, because our men it, it I've heard elders talk about it, that, you know, our women our women always had a job no matter what, when when shit went down and like we were put on reservations, like a mother still had to feed her child. A man's job was to provide and to be that hunter, to provide safety. And so when they were no longer allowed to leave the reservation and and provide for their family, that sense of belonging and that role, that identity was completely taken away. And that's where you see like that alcoholism really come in for them during that time when we were on reservations, our men were completely lost. And I think that, you know, that continues to bleed out in into our generations. And that's, you know, that's where it's come down to. And I don't know where I was going with that. No, it no, long, no. Long this is a, a wonderful
2: ammo, point <laughs> to make. And it was great. Because that, again, here we are. It's like, yeah, are we talking about indigenous people? Are we talking about modern day culture with everybody? I mean, like. That's a real issue right now, is like, what is the role of men? It is a mm-hmm. war on men. We see it happening in real time. I can tell you now that I have two children, there is no greater rush you will ever feel than provi- as a man providing for your children. It is the greatest feeling you will ever have. Well, hey, they need this, can we get this? Get
3: it. Bam!
2: There's no better, I'm telling you, dude.
3: And I know it, you, you're like, get two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> stock two. up, stock yeah, up. I have double, I have two. So
2: it's like, I like I can't. So what's the role of men now? What is the role of men? How do, how do men feel fit in modern day society, right? And it's like. You know, talking to you and talking to your husband, I could tell you're a very strong woman, and you have a, you know, that you have a, you have a, a great head on your shoulders, and your family has got great structure. I, could, I could tell that there's some girl, there's great roles between you two, but it's like, where's man, men's roles in society right now, and like men are like, nobody talks about this. I'm gonna do an episode on it. Men are killing themselves at a historical rate yep. right now. And, like, where is that discussion in modern-day media? It's not there. Women's breast cancer is, like, so tragic. It's everywhere. It is at the halftime show of every Super Bowl. It is what we're talking about. And we should. Why is nobody talking about men are killing themselves at a historical rate? Why? because they it's like what is your role right now and like so much is like when you talk about you know what we're talking about reservations yeah that's true. Really, guess what i think big cities are just giant reservations man and it can sound totally crazy right maybe i'm wrong and if i'm overstepping let me know marissa seriously but it's like look what happens what is your role where do you go you're disconnecting with family right you what do you have a job can you provide uh, you know alcoholism it's like what's your future all this shit it's like the same thing
3: you're supposed to be a hero if you stay in home yeah, if you stay right. at home you're a hero right. you're the you're ba- a
2: fucking hero thank you for thank you hero person <laughs> for staying home but it's like maybe I'm overstepping by saying that but like as i listen to you talk about all of the things going on in reservations i go I could just zoom that out, and now I'm talking no. about living in a big city and how we have no connection to our our past, and everything is about our future. Look at this cool new hip thing we're doing. Look at this cool new, hey, dude, this is a new way of thinking. This is a new way of looking at it. This is like, well, what about the old way of looking it, at it? And like, hold on, the, the old way of looking at it where it's like, like raising children, right? Mm-hmm. Everything now is like we got this new way of raising children. Well, I mean, are, are we putting out better people? It <laughs> sounds like they all have blue hair and they're super sensitive and they cry over everything. You know, I mean, is it a better <laughs> group of people? I don't know. Is tough love important? I think so. Why is everything new better? It doesn't seem like it is to me.
3: Yeah, uh, I mean, I was going to say she's right because right now women – they still got to feed the kids. They, their, jo- their job is still there. Right. As a woman, you still got to feed the kids. You still got to clean. You might clean extra because the kids are home. They're not at school. Your job's there as a man. Oh, you don't cleaning. have a job.
2: The cleaning. The cleaning. The cleaning. Xavier, you are Cars. scoring ports with her left <laughs> and right.
3: Okay. Yeah. No, she was saying that their Gold job stars. is still there. <laughs> right? She was right. saying their jobs are still there. Like, yeah, my sister still has to clean. My, my sister's husband doesn't have a job. Yeah. He's, she's at home doing what? Nothing. Because not that he doesn't help with the cleaning, but that's, that's kind of He like, doesn't have a what's yeah, doesn't his have role. Yeah, he doesn't have a role. How yeah. does he provide? What is his role?
2: Now that you have all these jobs are gone, can they... Not everybody is meant to be a, a neurosurgeon. Some people are meant to work with their hands. But I also believe that that's somebody who just doesn't... Like, there's so many people that got to learn, and we're seeing what she's talking about. Uh, again, we could just zoom out to, like, big Cs. It's like... You have to learn, like, how to adapt and how to figure out new ways to find to to uh, thrive. Right? We hear, you know, these young kids are starting these initiatives, and and, and you know they're using the the the, the casinos to fund other parts. Like that's called adapting. But we also have a connection. We have to have a connection to our past, and we're just try- I mean, these people just keep trying to rewrite how we operate. And it just doesn't seem right to me. And like, you know, we had that one gentleman on who, who was talking about the Adam and Eve and the, what was the original sin. And like it really hit with me when he goes, the original sin was that man left Garden of Eden because he thought he could make the rules that he, he you know, you brought up source before. And, like, to me, that's such a wonderful term because it's, like, it takes away all gods and Allahs and all that stuff, and it's, like, source, dude, and our connection to source and what source means. And, like, as a 49-year-old drug and sex addict knuckle-dragger, for me to talk about, like, source is, like, it's, like, a, a growth for me, man, because I did, I, I was so disconnected from that. And it's like, so, and like, that's because of my, how I was raised. And even in my own family, man, I don't have any Armenian traditions. I don't have any yeah. uh, Italian traditions because my, my, my grandparents and my parents' culture was assimilation, man. And like, you know, now that I'm having this conversation with you, I do think it's very important to keep your culture of your people. You know, it's not, not to cause riff and division, but to celebrate it. And like, I always say, man, this is like America's greatest strength and as dark as our past was, but our greatest strength is like, there is so much wonderful diversity. They've weaponized it, but like, we shouldn't allow that. We should enjoy all these different cultures that are here and like, and like, we should, you know, you brought up abundance. Like there's enough for everybody. You can get yours. You can get yours. You can get yours. You know, the scrounging and holding of that is like, it's like causing division and fighting. Everybody gets, dude, there's enough for everybody. The black community should get it. the indigenous cu- culture should get it. The, everybody should get it, man. But the people at the top get us all to fight with each other. And it's always the same people. Always and always and always again. And we get lost. And that's why we have friends that can't stop doing drugs. and They can't stop drinking because they have no connection to their past and they see no future. And that is an awful place to be man an awful place to be and you kind of brought up a little bit and i don't know if you if, if you've talked totally about it but the collectivism cultures compared to american individualistic culture i think that's really important man you know in comedy i've always said it groups rise man it's like you know in comedy for a very short time there was this whole boxing mentality that could be only one and then, and then I started watching it, I go, oh, groups rise, groups work together, whether it was, you know, the, the um, Def Jam generation of the 90s where all those comics rose, or the nerd culture, or now Joe Rogan's crew where they all rose together, right? I mean, groups rise, and I think we're just trying to get everybody, again, to stay home all the time, Right. Stay home, man. You want to be brave? Stay home, brave person. And don't connect with anybody. And guess what? You should tell your friends that aren't vaccinated like you are. They can't come over because that's good, that's good for everybody. And it's like, no, man. That's actually the worst thing for everybody is not to fucking come together and not to work together and not to love each other. And accept each other's differences. I have friends of mine that just think I'm the craziest person. But I love them and they love me. And it's like that's the acceptance, man. It's like we gotta bring people together. It's like the law of abundance is the most important thing ever. And I just think it's you know, I just this conversation is just so, so wonderful because I think there's so much that uh that we could learn from the history of uh, what has been done to the indigenous people. And, you know, and then you're like, am I talking about the indigenous people? Or am I talking about the black community? Or am I talking about poor whites? Like, who am I talking about? Right? It's, it's the same game game playbook done over and over again. And they just get you to fight with each other. And it's just like, stop fighting with each other. Stop realizing that, you know, it's like when that, that Aubrey guy got killed in uh, Atlanta. I'm like, we should be marching with those people. Those three guys hunted that dude down and shot him in the middle of the, the street. Whether he was committing crime or not, he deserves his day in court. We should be marching with that dude. those people who said that's fucking wrong because we don't need people g- doing street justice on other people in the middle of the street. The City- guy deserves his right to fucking to trial.
3: Citizens arrest. What the fuck's that?
2: I don't mind citizens' arrest? I mind shooting people in broad daylight because well, yeah. you think they're guilty of something.
3: But even though citizens' arrest, even Johnny tells me citizens' arrest, I'm not pulling over because Johnny tells me it's a citizens' arrest. Like yeah, the Johnny, fuck out of here, like anybody. That, I, I, that guy should have kept running. Johnny kept n- jogging.
2: Well, he can't. They wait, shot wait, him. Wait, wait. Well, <laughs> what what I'm talking before, before I How's he going to keep running. <laughs> well, no, well, <laughs> he got <laughs> shot. Well, well no, there was an about?
3: altercation first. He like they stopped first, and then he they were waiting. He was supposed to wait for the cops to show up, and the guy was like, I'm not waiting. That
2: didn't. That's not what happened. They shot him and. The middle of the street when he when when they pull guns on him he pushed back and they shot him in the middle
1: of the street yeah, and somebody comes up to me with guns and, and tells me to stick around i'm not doing it you know yeah, 100 you know. well, percent. that's what i'm
3: saying even if they say well, he's tried to arrest. get away and then they shot yeah. him no, even if what? they say citizens arrest, like hey stand step by it's a citizen arrest i'm like no i'm not like i yeah. gotta go
0: so i mean what's your thoughts on all that marissa yeah i think you brought up a couple of things that i definitely wanted to touch on uh You said the law of abundance and I like that you brought this up at your show when we were there too actually because uh my people have always believed in abundance and we have so what you'll hear and you'll you you know you brought up the Hopis earlier Hopis are super cool they got all kinds of uh Mystic they got stuff. all kinds of really cool oral histories and traditions uh my little brother's girlfriend is Hopi and so you know I've I've had some conversations with some Hopi people, but what you don't hear in history books is that each, uh, tribe or band has what we call creation stories. So, you know, our people are salmon people. We, we say, so on, in our creation story, which is like similar to like your Adam and Eve story, I guess you could say is that, um, you know, the man and the woman, the man and the woman were created and the, they were facing each other. So you had the women, the women standing on the, hold on, sorry. I got to think the women were standing on the south, northeast, south, west. The men and the women were standing, you know, facing each other on each side. And uh, when creator created our people, he called them the Natitite. And that just means the people of the land. And when he created them, he called upon different animals and plant life of earth to stand up and sacrifice themselves in the to, to continue to sustain these people, you know, for time immemorial. And this is where like that law of abundance and like the way that our peoples uh, in- interacted with the land and with the earth forever, you know, up until colonization took place, up until Westernization came. And so, you know, the salmon were the first, and then you had the four-legged animals, the deer, the elk, the moose, the bear, you know, et cetera. Then you have, you have your bird life and the, you know, those are considered men foods. So those are the foods that the men would gather. And then you also have the women's foods. So like your roots and your berries and your medicines that you would gather all throughout the year. And we traveled this on a seasonal round gathering each of these things in our creation story that said that they would give themselves up and sacrifice. I can go drive 15 minutes up the mountain and find Food everywhere. There was medicines everywhere. My master teacher, who's taught me how to gather and everything that I know, I mean, she's always like, You're standing right on top of foods. Like, look down. What, what do you see? And so, you know, our people always survived because they knew that the creator was going to provide for them for as long as they continued to take care of the earth and continue to take care of the water and continue to take care of the plants and the animals and gather them and sacrifice, you know they were always going to be taken care of so that abundance factor was always there um i've tried to ask elders about like aliens and like star people and stuff and like i I can never get anything good nobody like nobody ever bites my (laughs) my hook but um yeah there's a lot of different things you know and another um I go in these little, it depends on where I'm at in my journey of life, but like right before I got pregnant, right before I was even really thinking about having a baby, I was really on this quest. I was working in maternal and child health at that time, and I was really on this quest for, you know, what did our, what did our prenatal care and our births look like? What songs were saying? What medicines were used? What traditions were done within the family? What What did that look like? And it was still, you know, I got together um, a group of elders that I knew that I thought would be able to provide me with information and they did, but it still was like, how do we pull this information out? Because, you know, like and I could talk about birth and women's health and, you know, all that stuff for, for days upon days. That's all i support a lot of women through, through that journey and just making sure that they have the information, the education that I was given um, by my midwife and by my elders, just from what I know, you know, what does it mean to have a strong body, mind and heart? What does it mean to carry life? What are those teachings that were tied to that? And so for me, it just kind of comes down to whatever phase of life that I'm in and reaching out to um, those elders that, that I have always learned from and, and asking them, telling them about what I'm going through right now. You know, this is what's coming up for me. What do you know? What do you, what do you have to hear? And it's so funny because I can show up to my grandpa's house and, you know, sit there, for hours and he'll just start talk. Like he just tells me stories about his life or about like when this was happening and there's just so much storytelling that's done within our cultures and within our communities that is so valuable. And they always tell us that like when we're at the longhouse or we're at a ceremony, they're always lecturing the young people. Like you need to be listening. You need to hear, because at one point you're going to be standing here. This is where you're going to be. So you have to know what, what you need to do. You have to know how to take care of these things and how to take care of yourself. And, um, You know, that's one of my most favorite parts of of my of my life is that I I have this information and this knowledge and I feel so connected to the source that's within me. And I think that when you're talking about like, you know, the issues with men right now and then you go into like just the isolation in general, putting people in isolation. And this is why I don't believe in like institutions like people sending somebody with mental illness into jail for stealing food or whatever they did, I don't know, for survival, putting them in an institution where they're literally going to go crazy is not going to, you know, make their addiction any better or give them the help that they need. You know, there's just all of these things that we don't treat. We're never treating the root cause. We're never actually people. And I always say this um, because I work with I work with young children, and when I show up in my classroom, I have to show up in the most clear source form that I possibly can. Because when I walk into my classroom, if I'm still carrying whatever was had me pissed off that morning or even the night before, it's going to affect how my energy is going to affect how I interact with them, especially my students that are on the spectrum, because they're experiencing the world completely differently than you and I are. And um, you know, getting to be able to be in those environments with children in particular has really taught me how to attune myself and how to attune my vibration but i always say this when you're working with children or you see people working with children or even parenting which a lot of us do where a lot of us are parents um, you can see people's core wounds come out and a lot of times what are those core wounds i'm not enough i'm not loved i'm not heard i'm not seen you know what is it and i think that you know like going back to alcoholism or going back to anything you want to talk about opioid addiction you know like that's one of the most severe addictions that are ever there and it's almost always directly tied to emotional trauma so you know figuring out and this is why i'm always talking about wellness and healing because i want so badly for people to feel the way that i feel i want you to feel happy i want you to feel healthy i want you to feel at ease what does it feel like to have a calm regulated nervous system i do a lot of parent education talking about the brain talking about our brain states when are you able to use your prefrontal cortex and when are you just acting from your brain stem from your survival state what does that look like how do you activate those different parts of your brain so that you can show up and parent so that you can show up and be regulated in your life and like meet your little kid that just wants to like play with blocks you know like i just want to color they just want to do they want connection right how do you How do we as adults learn to give ourselves the connection that we are seeking? That is what substance use is, is trying to fill that void and that that numbness. And, you know, and I can say this because I've been in at points in my life where all I did was drink and I hit it well for a long time. Like as a high schooler, I was partying so much. And when I think about myself now, I'm like, what? Like, I can't even fathom. I can't even fathom it. And it's like, what was going on in my brain at that time that I felt like I needed to drink all the time. Oh, I wanted to be seen. I wanted to be liked. I wanted to be accepted. You know, what are those things? And it sounds like so cheesy at the same, you know, at the same time, but that's the reality of it. And when we know, like when we think about high schoolers and where they're at developmentally, yeah, everybody wants to be liked. Yeah. Everybody wants to be seen. So they're going to jump into those things that everybody else is doing more oftentimes than not. Um, so I don't know, I think that, you know, like that core wound piece is something that I really like to highlight whenever I can, because we all have them. For me, like I sit, like I have created the most beautiful life. I have the most amazing partner. I have a daughter. I have a stepdaughter. I have an amazing support system and family. I have a wonderful job. I have all of these beautiful things that I'm doing. But still, there's some days that I wake up and my nervous system is dysregulated and I'm constantly looking for that an enemy. What's gonna jump out and get me? What's gonna go wrong? Is my life gonna fall apart? What's happened? Like this, these fight or flight things that take place in our childhoods, particularly between the ages of zero and seven, when that subconscious is really being developed you know there's just a lot of things that happen within our bodies and our minds that we've not been told about we've not been taught about and this is why like when i took my first psychology class when i was 19 i was like what the fuck why has nobody ever told me about the different parts of my brain why have i never learned about the working memory why have i never learned about these things why am i just now Why am I just now knowing, why am I just now realizing this? And so going through school and taking a lot of those psychology classes and, you know, even even just everything that I learned in school allowed me to go into a deep self-study to really look at my life and understand why I was the way that I am. And so now, you know, like I said, like I've co-created this beautiful life with the universe being on your goddamn podcast. What the hell? Like, (laughs) what the hell? Like, (laughs) I'm just a little res girl. You know, I live here in Northeastern Oregon. I don't like I I it's crazy. And it's so funny because like right before we walked into your hotel room, John's like, I'm going to get you on his podcast. And I was like whatever. I don't know. Didn't acknowledge it probably. And then sure. Like sure enough that happened. So it's like, you want to talk about the law of abundance. You want to talk about these things, you want to talk about the power of believing in yourself. And that's something like, again, where I get to come from such a place of privilege because my parents always were so supportive of everything that I did, everything that I still do, anything that I want to do. They're like, anything you want, do it. The world's yours, go get it. And, um, you know, especially, you know i went through a reunification process you know moving back in with my mom when i was eight and that's a huge transition for a lot of kids you know especially our kids that are in foster care system when they're re- like reunifying with their families it can be really challenging yes. not just for the parent yes. but for the child we don't know how to interact with our parents if we haven't been around them yes. and also if we have that abandonment as part of our core wounds how do I show up in front of you and make sure that I'm liked? How do I show up in front of you and make sure that I'm loved? How do I know you're not going to leave me? So that defense that clicks on. And so now me and my adult life and this beautiful life that I've created so much of my work, especially since having my daughter has been teaching myself, teaching my nervous system. Like I just like to, especially in like my breathwork classes, you know, I like to, uh, use the picture of like a dysregulated nervous system. as like a forest fire. Can you make it like a calm river? can you calm your body down? Can you bring that hypervigilance down? What does it feel like in your body to feel calm? And then a lot of our people who have experienced trauma or who have experienced addiction, you know, in turn are also addicted to drama and chaos. You're constantly, you want that ignition of that fight or flight. And then again, going back into like food sovereignty, if you're eating processed foods and processed sugars, those are also going to trigger that inflammation in the body, which also is going to trigger your nervous system. So you know, a lot of my work over the last several years of my adult life has just been figuring out what I need to make sure that I can show up in the world in this regulated, calm space, because I want to live a beautiful life. I want to live a happy life and I want everybody else to also, but it's not always pretty. It's not all. It's not always easy for me. I think that I, I I struggle with that. I have struggled in the past with like really being open about how I feel about things because I don't want ever anybody to ever feel like, I'm perfect because I'm not, but I also very much know what I want in my life and I'm not afraid to go get it. So I think, you know, what does it mean to have that authentic self-expression? What does it mean to have that authentic self-esteem? How do we build those things up in childhood? Like, I'm a mom to an 18 month old, and I, with all of the knowledge that I have, I had focused so much on creating a secure attachment with her. I like was freaked out leaving my kid to go to an exercise class. So I'm like, she's gonna feel like she's I'm abandoning her, and it's like, no, <laughs> kill. pump the brakes, pump the brakes, you know. And like, thank God I have such a supportive partner because he truly, like, he meets me in this space, and and that for me is is the most wonderful thing i have you know i have a few things in life that i really want one of them is i don't want to be an addict i don't want to be an addict i don't want that to be a part of my life i deal with it in many facets i've been an addict in the past and that's just not who i am it doesn't serve me the other thing is that i want to provide a happy healthy loving environment for my child and that's something that i do get to do with my partner and i'm really thankful for that and um i don't know i think that you know there's so much that goes into it and i think you know this period of isolation has really pushed and challenged everybody it's either you know it's major it's 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 major it makes you or breaks you and um you know for me i'm really thankful to say that it's it's really made me i was six months pregnant when all of this COVID stuff started terrified like that was it was a terrifying experience at that point in time you know what i what I had envisioned for my pregnancy and bringing my child into the world was not anything of what it looked like. Um, Thankfully, like I already had a home birth plan. So I like boycotted a lot of that, like medical stuff yes. that was happening, yes.
2: Um,
0: which was wonderful. And I had, you know, I had a wonder. I've had a wonderful support system even through like my postpartum phase, but that's a whole nother thing. Like, our, our country does not support mothers and we do not support young, new mothers, um, not even just young, new mothers in general, that postpartum phase and for fathers at the same time, like families are so vulnerable in that time when you're learning how to take care of a human and trying oh, to keep it alive. Like it's, to tell it's rough, <laughs> Yeah, it's rough. And yes. so the support, you know, the support, like I'm so thankful that I have a mom and grandmas and aunties that like would just stop by and like start a load of laundry or do my dishes. And, you know, like that, those little things really count and it matters. And I think, you know, that's like, I try to live my life in that collectivistic approach. What is my community and what does that look like? Where do I fit within the community? What are my structures of support? What is my systems? What do my systems look like? You know, down to like the everyday moments, my morning routine. Yep. Got to wake up an hour before my kid does so that I can have like a moment of sanity and like, make sure that I can show up, to my life in a way that's positive and healthy and good. And like, I want to feel good in the morning. I don't want to, you know, have a dis. I don't start that, that nervous system attunement is so important for not just parents, but you know, everybody. And that's something that we don't, I you know, it's another thing that was manipulated by the system as far as like the go, go, go the busy, 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 especially you guys that are like in big cities, you know, it's just such a different type of environment where I like open my front door and I got a pond with geese and ducks and, <laughs>
2: You know, it's a completely
0: different lifestyle. I want it really
2: badly, and I'm going to start working on that. Everything you're saying resonates with me, uh, you know, in terms of just having children, taking care of children. You know, uh, so much I've learned in recovery about dealing with addiction. You know, there are some people that could just have some party and enjoy in their life. And for some reason they do. And then there's a lot of people who get lost in it because, you know, real world stuff is very painful. And, you know, for me, it's just like I I didn't want to deal with where I was in my life. All my friends around me were, you know, Giant. I, I was. I used to close shows with these people. Now they're headliners and I can't get booked anywhere. And that gets very dark and it becomes this weird thing that, you know, this, this kind of dragon that eats its own tail, you know, where it's like, I'm not getting booked. Uh, so I'm drinking, but I'm not getting booked because I'm drinking, but then I'm not getting booked. So I'm going to drink and then it just becomes this weird thing. And it's just like all my problems I had when I was, uh, using abusing they they never went away they were always there and they just started compounding 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 and then it gets so much it seems like such a big hill to overcome but it's like just every day just chip away chip away chip away and it's like you know for me in my life is like discipline like everything is discipline it's it's like You know, it's like, don't use no matter what. It's like I used to hear that and be like, yeah, whatever. And then I would never, no matter what, man, no matter what. If it's like, I think something's going to put me in a position to uh, trigger me. I don't go there. I don't drive there. I don't hang out there. I don't do anything of that. And the biggest thing I ever learned was two things that helped me. Was one is I stopped judging people's outsides. I stopped judging my insides by other people's outsides. Like I, I stopped looking at people going, Oh, they have it all together and their lives are wonderful and they got everything and they're happy and I have none of it. And I'm a miserable fuck. And like, I've just been on this road so long. It's like, Everybody listen in my life, everybody goes through it, dude. And you don't know what's going through their lives. That's why Chris Farley ends up doing drugs and, and OD, and you like this guy's at the peak of comedy. He is the he is what every guy who dream or woman every, anybody who dreams of doing comedy, you know, that's what you dream of. You know, you're 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 on Saturday Night Live. You're doing movies. You're, you couldn't stop doing drugs and die. Why? Because he couldn't Belushi deal with what's, too, Well, yeah, Belushi too couldn't deal with what's going on inside okay things things don't make you happy there's this old saying though you know whoever dies with the most toys wins couldn't be a bigger lie (laughs) couldn't be a bigger lie those who those who died helping the most people and connecting with the most people that's who wins who connects with the most who
3: helps the most this might be a weird thought do you think anybody of course it's a weird thought you think anybody that's like sober going to like are expecting a crazy tragedy to happen have a reason to redo it what do you mean to relapse you think there's people there like because oh, so, yeah, it happens all the yeah. time
2: some bad happens and it just gives them an excuse to go out
3: and yeah because you, know? you just said never you said i'm never no matter what but and dude, usually i hear people who are like waiting that, Yeah,
2: the real ones no matter what no right? matter what stories up. all the time family death losing job lost everything in their life no matter what Because you deal with it, man. You deal with it, okay? And it's just like, and and, you know, everything, you know, here's here's the whole thing. Anything going on in your life, you are the sky and everything else is the weather. And what does that mean? That means it's passing through. You are the sky. You are always there. All this shit going on in your life, this too shall pass. Everything in recovery is as cliche as it possibly could be because it's all true man this too shall pass all that stuff stop judging other people's out your insides by other people's outsides and the final thing is this when it comes recovery nobody's thinking about you that's the biggest thing in the world man I, i used to think there was a shadow group of people they were just going to hold me back because I was so great at what I was doing and they just didn't want me to realize my dreams. And the truth was the only people holding me back was myself. Nobody's thinking about you. If someone screws with you, it's probably a drive-by, right? And they're doing it to everybody. Trust me. And it all comes out in the wall.
1: That's so hard to convince yourself of, though. You it's know what I mean? real
2: hard because everything's personal. You think everybody's thinking of you all the time. And guess what? Everyone's dealing with their own shit. They're in their own. Like everybody is almost their own dimension in this weird way. And they're in their own dimension and they're dealing with their own dimension. And you are just passing through. Okay? Most of the time it's not personal. And here's the thing. If they're doing it to you, they're probably doing it to all these other people. And it all comes out in the wash and is abundance versus scarcity.
1: There's this story about when Ringo Starr quit the Beatles and he quit because he felt like the other three guys were a unit and he was just on the outside. And so at first he went to John Lennon and said, listen, man, I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm leaving the Beatles, man, because I just feel mm-hmm. like you three guys, you know, have are so tight together. And John goes, I thought it was you three. <laughs> right. and, then, and then he goes to Paul and Paul says the exact same thing. Isn't that crazy? So they all thought that there was some, that was why they were, following. I mean, think right? about, it, that's such a, that's so indicative of relationships. You know, you think everybody else has, has something that you don't have and that they're, they're, they're looking at you laughing and, and, and it's all, it's just all in your head, man. It's all yeah, in
2: your head. Your ego is not your amigo, man. No. And it happens all the time and you just got to get out of your way and everything, anything worth anything is going to take time. There's a, the old saying, if it was easy, everybody would do, be doing it. And it's just the truth, man. And it's like everything I've, I did on drugs, I, I do sober. <laughs> Some things aren't the best and I got to deal with other trauma in my life. Uh, but so anything I'm doing, I, the, I, the things that I, the, the, the feeling of tweaking I got, right? When I tweaked like that high that I, that I couldn't get away with. I get that from waking up sober in the morning. I get the same high. I get the same high when I hang out with my children. There are highs out there that are natural and good for you, and you just got to go find them. And you just, and it's like, you know, a, a good friend of mine named Jimmy Cohen once told me this. that really helped me. You know, it's like sometimes, you know, we have entities around us. Like, you remember the Lost Boys were the only way you can invite the, the uh, Dracula in or the vampire and You have to invite him into your house. The head of the house has some vitamin. That's the only way it can come in. Well, that's also sources of light. Mm. There's sources of light around you at all times, okay? And they want to help, but they can only help is if you ask for that help. And at these moments of weakness, you have to ask for help. Ask for help. It sounds stupid. It sounds dumb, but it's real, man. It's real. And how do I know it's real? Because when I apply it to my life, my life changes for the better. That's the only way I know it's real. There's no science experiment that you can do that can prove any of this. It's not provable. It's it's just not. It's not. These are things that are outside the realms of the laws of physics that they don't want you to believe it. But this is what makes it special. And it's like believing in yourself, asking for help from the universe. So what Jimmy Cohen used to say is you pray to source, to God, to whatever you believe in. And you go, hey, man, help me get 24 hours today. Help me not do drugs and alcohol today. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow I'll do it. Maybe tomorrow I'll do drugs, but not today. And then guess what you do tomorrow? You ask again. Let me not do drugs today. Maybe tomorrow. Because some people can't deal with the thought." of never doing it again. Don't worry about never doing it again. Just worry about not doing it for this 24 hours. Maybe tomorrow you do it. Marissa, you came, you saw, you dropped the hammer of the gods on us and I hope because uh this was a banger man, it's a real banger and I really hope that you that people uh fly, find you from this and support you and I hope that you, I hear, I, I, get to see tweets and Instagram posts about you doing all these other wonderful uh, podcasts out there because I think you're very important uh, to your, your people and your movement and what you're trying to do. And there's so much more we can get into and we could do it uh, in the future. You're always welcome back on the show. So one more time, tell them where they can find you, Instagram, Twitter, and the name of your podcast and where they can find it.
0: Yo, know, I don't got a Twitter. So there's that. No Twitter for me. Maybe You're, I'll jump on the bandwagon. Social media is one of those things where I like I dance a fine line where I'm like, I, and you did a joke about this. Somebody that just showed a joke about this of like needing to take a break from social media. I'm that girl. I'm yeah. like, I need breaks. I need breaks often. But uh, I have a couple different places you can find me. The podcast is Our Medicine Stories um, on Instagram, you can find that uh, on Spotify right now. And then I have an Instagram page that's Native well- Native Women's Wellness Movement. So movement, just M V M T at the end of that. And it's not a ton of activity on there right now. I'm really uh, hoping to bring a retreat onto the reservation in the in 2022, just to um, again increase that capacity for healing and wellness opportunities. And yeah, I really appreciate you guys having me on here. Loved all the things that I got to talk about with you and looking forward to more, looking forward to where this takes me next. So appreciate your guys' time for sure.
2: Well, you crushed it. You did excellent. You came, you saw, you dropped the hammer of the gods and uh, just make sure uh, when you hang up, you, you email me all the links so I can include it and uh, we'll do it again. Again we'll do it again soon and uh say hello to your husband and i appreciate your time you did a wonderful job thank you so much <laughs> guys i love you uh the end of the year is coming uh again uh this is the this was the big uh the big 5 uh the big 5th year anniversary of tim fall hat and we can't thank you enough for the journey we're still in the top 50 after 5 years that's Unbelievable, and it's all because of you, the swarm. And just know, we work very hard to put out the best episodes we can with the most unique guests. I don't, I'm not even into the biggest names. I don't even. I just want to get unique people, and like today's episode. And uh, I cannot thank you enough for what you've done for me and my family and my friends. And uh, I love you very much. And here's to another five years. Thank you guys very much. We'll talk to you soon. We go deep, homeboy. Eric, <laughs> open your mind. Drink from the fountain of knowledge. There's lizard people everywhere. That, 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 that's some interdimensional hey, idea <laughs> <laughs> Wake up, Aaron!
1: This is only the beginning.
2: There you just blew my mind. Tim Foil hat. Tim Foil, hack, Tim foil.